0: Count it all joy, my brothers, when you have great success. Count it all joy, my brothers, when God blesses you with every kind of daily bread. That Luther lists in the small catechism. You know, food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children. I had to write these down. Devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. Count it all joy, my brothers when you experience tremendous growth in your congregation size and in the giving plate. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you see perfect alignment between the church and the state, when rulers always ask pastors for guidance on how God's justice can more better be promoted. That's not what James says, is it? Those are the things that we count as joy, right? When you get your daily bread, all those 22 things, hey, let's rejoice, let's have a party. But trials? Suffering? How could that possibly be a source of joy? And yet, according to St. James, the brother of our Lord, it is these things, the trials and the challenges that all of us know, that are to be counted as joy. Today, the first bishop of Jerusalem, the brother of our Lord, teaches us what is counterintuitive, what is paradoxical, what doesn't make sense to earthly eyes, that joy is not a matter of outward successes. James teaches us that there is something better than happiness. James teaches us that there is something even more blessed than success. James teaches us today that our Lord gives his joy through, well, through a cross. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Don't hang your heads, don't slump your shoulders, don't slacken your knees and say, woe is me. James says, count it as joy. Now we could probably come up, couldn't we, with a list like Luther's list. We could come up with a 22 item list of all the challenges that we face. No one in this room has the market cornered when it comes to suffering. None of us can say, I and I alone have suffered more than everyone else. For the truth is, God gives each of us a cross. God gives each of us a challenge. And the challenges that you face are not the same as the challenges I face. They're not the same as the challenges of the person two rows behind you. But all of us are united in this. We all must face trials. We all must face challenges. And today, James points out that all of these various challenges... See, that's a better way of doing it than listing out 22 things. Just say, various things. All of these various challenges... Have a purpose. It's easy to lose sight of, isn't it? It's easy to lose sight of the fact that God is still in control when everything seems to be falling apart. But that's what James shows us today. Now, you might ask, what does James know about suffering? This is often what happens, you know, when someone comes alongside of us in our sufferings and says, hey, keep it up. Keep it up. We think to ourselves, well, what do you know about it, right? It's easy to think that those who are calling us to endurance, that those who are calling us to steadfastness, just don't know how hard it is that we have it. What does James know about trials? After all, he was Jesus's brother. And so he probably had it easy, right? You would think, you would think that being related to Jesus would come with all kinds of creature comforts, right? All kinds of perks. You would think that, but when you look at the pages of scripture, You find something else. Just imagine what it would be like to have Jesus as your older brother. Could you imagine? He's perfect. He never makes any mistakes. He always cleans his room. He always listens to mom and dad. And you know what that does to little brothers? (laughs) It makes them jealous. It makes them envious. It makes them say, how come he's always doing everything so perfectly? How come he's always making me look bad? When we turn to the pages of Holy Scripture, we don't find that James and Jesus were simpatico. We don't find them as best friends. In fact, we find something kind of surprising. It says in John chapter 7 that not even his own brothers, not even his own brothers believed in our Lord Jesus. That's an odd note, isn't it? It's an odd note, but it's not that hard to understand because we know what sibling rivalry is like, and we know of other men in Scripture whose brothers were not their biggest fans. You remember Joseph, don't you? How Joseph was opposed by his brothers precisely because he was so good. And so perhaps the same thing was at work in the life of James. Jesus' own brothers, James included, seemed a bit jealous. After growing up side by side with a perfect brother, they couldn't take it anymore. And it wasn't just them who were sort of scandalized by Jesus. You heard the witness of the people from his own hometown. A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Where did this man get this wisdom? How is this guy, you know, Joseph's son, Mary... Mary's son, where did he get all these mighty works? Why didn't God give them to me? You can see that same thing that was at work in James, at work in those who were from Jesus's own hometown. They were scandalized by the particularity. They weren't scandalized that God would someday send a Christ, a Messiah, but they were scandalized that it would be this guy, this normal, ordinary, humble-looking man, this Jesus of Nazareth that he, who grew up side by side with them, would have such wisdom. James didn't have it easy. It wasn't a life of perfect comfort. It wasn't a life of perfect pleasure and perfect success, being the brother of Jesus. In fact, it might have been harder, we might say, for James to believe in his brother. It might have been harder precisely because he was so familiar with James. This often happens in pastor's families. Mine is no exception. I know a pastor who, when he first was ordained and his family came and he was distributing Holy Communion to his own family, his brother came up to him after the service and said, why do you look so serious when you're doing that? Of course, every other pastor that brother had seen before had looked the same when he's distributing holy things, but to see your own brother doing it, to see someone who you grew up with, doing it can cause that kind of scandal. How did he get into this position? Where did he get this wisdom? How did he get this wonderful stuff? No, James knew about suffering. He knew what it was to have to suffer his own pride, to lay down his own pride. But he also knew what it was to suffer various kinds of things. After Jesus was raised, St. Paul tells us that he appeared to James. It's not recorded anywhere in scripture, but it's mentioned there in 1 Corinthians. That Jesus came to his own brother, and it was probably then that James was converted, right? He went from being the earthly brother of our Lord to being a brother in the better way, a brother by faith. And from there, life got a lot harder for James, You heard mentioned in the first reading that James was kind of in charge of that gathering there in Jerusalem. And you'd think, right, that being in charge is a great honor. If you get to be in charge, then that means everything goes smoothly. But remember, the kind of church that James was in charge of. He was not in charge of a church that had all kinds of peace and prosperity. James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And let me remind you the kinds of things that went on in Jerusalem. They crucified Jesus. They persecuted the apostles. They weren't the kind of people who were coming to James and saying, please, James, please teach us. Please teach us and let us take care of you. They weren't the kind of people who said, you know, it's clergy appreciation month. We just want to make your life easier, James. No, James knew all kinds of sufferings. James knew all kinds of trials. And James knew from personal experience That those things were not the occasion to throw up his hands and say, it's all lost, woe is me. No, James knew that through those things, precisely in the times of trial, God was at work to bring joy. Because it is through trials and various sorts of crosses that salvation first came into the world, isn't it? James is not telling you anything different than Jesus showed you. James is not somehow coming to you with a different message today, and I don't have a different message than our Lord Jesus himself. Jesus knew what it was to suffer all kinds of things. He knew what it was to be rejected and scorned by his countrymen. He knew what it was to be looked on with contempt by his own brothers, by his own family. And he knew deepest of all what it felt like to have nails driven into his hands, to have a spear thrust into his side. Jesus knows all of the sufferings that you might endure. And he was willing to go through with them. He was willing to go through with them because our Lord shows us and James teaches us that this is God's way of dealing with us. He brings joy through trial. He brings joy through a cross. He brings salvation into the world that cannot be taken away precisely through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And as it was for Jesus, as it was for James, so it is for every Christian. Now that doesn't mean that your sufferings are going to be just like James's sufferings. They won't be. You're not the leader of the church in Jerusalem, so they will be very different kinds of sufferings. But note well, you will face trials. You will face challenges. And what do you do when that happens? Do you toss up your hands and say, man, God must have forgotten me. God didn't give me all the successes that he gave to that person. He must be overlooking me. Or do you count it as joy? James says to count it all as joy, dear brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. And you can fill in your own trials there. That word various is roomy. It's a beautiful word. You can fill all of your trials, all of your troubles, all of your challenges. Even if they are relatively small, you can put them all lumped in there. James teaches us this because he knows that it is through trials that growth and endurance comes. Now, how many of you pray for endurance? It's kind of like praying for patience, right? It's dangerous. If you pray for these things, then God will give them to you. But see, the way he gives you patience is by making you wait for things. And the way he gives you endurance is kind of like the way that a runner gains endurance. No one likes it. No one enjoys it. Nobody says, you know, I just can't wait to go out and run 10 miles today. But that's the only way to get endurance, isn't it? The only way to get endurance is to actually go through some challenge. The only way to grow and to be strengthened is to have to overcome a thing. James teaches us today that our trials and challenges are not a sign that God has neglected us or forgotten us, but they are a sign that he is at work in our lives. He gives you trials. He gives you crosses and so you can be confident that if your crosses and trials come from your heavenly father, they are meant for your good. God causes us to move around. We like to be stationary. We like to hold still. We like when everything is smooth, but he brings a bit of uncertainty into our lives. He causes a bit of pain in order to make us grow. It's kind of like a gyroscope. Do you know what a gyroscope is? It's like a really fancy top, right? You know how a top works. If you just put a top on the table, it falls over right away. But when you spin that thing, all of a sudden, it gets really stable. And in fact, the more you spin a top, the faster it goes, the more stable it becomes. Your heart, your faith is that kind of a thing. It is like a gyroscope. God spins your heart, he brings all kinds of trials, he pokes, he prods, he nudges you to spin you faster and faster and faster and faster, and he does all of that not to knock you over, but to make you stand, to give you endurance, to give you stability so that you're not tossed to and fro like a wave, but that you can stand strong in the world. That testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Why? because it forces us to rely on the Lord. It forces us out of ourselves to depend on someone else, on something else, instead of taking everything into our own hands, which is always our temptation. When trials come, when challenges come, when crosses are laid upon us, we turn out of ourselves to our Heavenly Father. And so you see how James quickly goes from talking about trials to talking about prayer. Our testing elicits prayer, and it is God who loves to give to those who ask. Now, when you're in suffering, when you're in trial, you don't always see the goal, do you? When you're in some kind of challenge, you don't think, man, this is so much fun. I'm just really enjoying all of this. Thank you, God, for this challenge. What a wonderful God you are. No, quite often our prayers in those times are laments, and that's okay. Lamenting is not a sign of unbelief. Complaining is not a sign of automatic ingratitude. When you look in the pages of the Psalms, you find prayer after prayer after prayer of lament. But those laments show you that in your time of trial, in your time of trial, you are to turn to your Heavenly Father, pour out your complaints to Him, pour out your laments to Him, and see how He gives to His children. See what he gives to his children. See how he gives endurance and steadfastness. These testings, these trials, what I'm calling crosses for you today, come to you to make you complete. Now, just think of that word. It's translated as perfect. But when we hear that, we think of morally perfect, right? God gives you challenges to make you morally perfect so that you obey the rules more. It doesn't necessarily mean moral perfection, but it means that you are complete. Now just think of what you would have if you didn't have endurance. If you thought that the Christian life was just smooth sailing and easy going and success after success after success, and that was the sign of God's blessing, that then you were a really good Christian. What wouldn't you have? You wouldn't have any wisdom, would you? You wouldn't have anything to give the person two rows behind you who is suffering God makes you complete this way he puts you through crosses he puts you through challenges for your own growth for the strengthening of your own faith and also so that you can be ready to speak to another who is going through various challenges and make no mistake we all go through various challenges Do you see what James is teaching us today? Do you see what the life of this brother of our Lord Jesus displays for us? It displays for us something that we desperately need in our times of so much fear, so much uncertainty, so much suffering and challenge. James shows us that in the midst of these things, we aren't to hang our heads and become gloomy and mopey. We are to lift our heads, to raise up our knees, and count it all as joy, for the Lord is making you endure. Today we observe St. James Day along with many other congregations in the Mid-South District of the Missouri Synod. We observe this day because today we are supposed to remember the importance of pastors there's a new initiative in Synod, a new they don't call it a committee, it's called a task force. Sounds really impressive, doesn't it? That task force was put together to address this challenge that there's not enough pastors. Now the problem with that, the problem with that is kind of like the problem with any demographic issue. The time to fix that problem was 40 years ago. If you were to compare the class picture of Pastor Donner's graduating class with my graduating class from seminary, you'd see something very obvious. The men in his class picture, their faces are about this big in the picture. The men in my class picture, our faces are this big because we're handsomer. That's the truth. It's because there's so many fewer of us now. And see, we could lament all of this, we could throw up our hands and say, woe is us, what has happened to us? Or we could consider it joy to be put through this trial, to be put in the church at this time, in this place. There will be many things that have to be suffered, there will be many things that have to be endured. There's no quick fix for a clergy shortage, even as there's no quick fix for the things that you have to suffer through. But through our sufferings, the Lord is at work to strengthen. What, could possibly, what good could possibly come from a clergy shortage? Well, congregations could be shaken up, couldn't they? And that's not always a bad thing. The gyroscope needs to spin faster and faster. And young men could be challenged, and that's a good thing, isn't it? To give their life to the service of the kingdom of God. There's no better calling in the world, let me tell you. There's certainly trials, there's certainly challenges, there's certainly crosses. But that's true of any vocation. And the rewards that come from the life of a pastor, the rewards that come from any service in the church are the kinds of things that you can't put a price tag on. So consider it a joy, dear friends, that we are alive at this time in this world, in this country, in this church. Consider it a joy that we have so many challenges and trials all around us because it's not a sign that God has neglected us or forgotten us. It's a sign that he is at work to strengthen us, to give us endurance, to make us complete. And who knows what he might raise up even from the midst of us. Who knows what might be raised up from the midst of our congregation, from the young men and women of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Paducah, Kentucky. Who knows? Someday you might see a pastor and say, where did this guy get this wisdom? And then you'll remember, well, It's from our Heavenly Father. For every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow or variation. He is the one who hears your prayers. He is the one who knows your trials. He is the one who has brought salvation through the cross of his Son, Jesus Christ. And he is the one who is at work, even in the midst of your challenges, to bring you steadfastness. To Christ be the glory now and forever. Amen.